0: This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. You know, my dad already mentioned my wife this morning who is from Arizona, and it's days like this that my wife gets up. And just subtly under her breath, she says, God, why couldn't he have been from California? But she's here for love, everybody, okay? So just embrace it. Um, In the month of December, we had you bring in some socks and uh, scarves and gloves and different things like that uh, for us to be able to distribute to the homeless. Um, So last month, our young adult group went downtown. Now, our youth in January, I believe, they took all of the items that you guys brought in. And they prepared all of the bags. We don't actually have pictures of the young adult group downtown. But those are all the bags that you guys, uh, of all the items that you guys brought in. I just want to let you know that there was 88 bags in total. Um, 37 of them had a Tim Hortons card in them as well. They handed about 50 different uh, bags to people on the streets of Toronto, and then the remaining bags they gave uh, to Covenant House downtown. So I wanted to thank you for your generosity in the month of December. Way to go, everybody. All right, so we are starting a brand new series today. Um, in the month of February, we're going to be talking about relationships all month long. And what day? what's the date today? The 12th. So it's two days from forced romance day so you can try to make it as authentic as possible everybody in a relationship and we'll just see how it goes but we're just discussing uh, relationships all relationships um, through through this month and really I titled this series you know me you and you and the big you on the end um, obviously I'm referencing God that we want God involved in all of our relationships um, friendships and parent-child, child-parent, uh, marriage relationships, work relationships, that every type of relationship, um, we would want God to inform us how to have those relationships. Um, but we also know the reality is a lot of times we have a lot of other things in, uh, informing and involved in how we do relationships. A lot, of th- a lot of times we don't even know why we do relationships uh, the way we do and, you know, God is a relational God. There's a lot in the scripture about relationships, how we should do relationships. Um, we know that God, uh, the triune God, he was the preexistent God. He, he existed Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's why God can be loved. If God was just by himself for eternity past, there wouldn't have actually been anybody else to love. But we know that God is a relational God. And we are created in His image. And so we have this, this desire and need for relationships, relationships with Him, and then also relationships with people. Um, the most introverted person in the room today um, still wants a friend or two. They don't want to go through life completely alone, that we are created um, on the inside of us just by the nature of God on the inside of us, created in His image for this desire for relationships. But like I said, we have a lot of things informing how we do relationships. There's so many things that we don't even know and consider and think about. Um, You know, we talk about this a lot of times, or I talk about this when we do uh, premarital counseling, that uh, I I try to tell couples that are getting married, you know, all you've ever seen um, as it relates to marriage is your parents. And so a lot of times you'll just duplicate whatever you've seen in your house growing up. And, you know, even for the best parents out there, even for um, saved and oversaved uh, Christians, um, you, you're going to see things in your homes that maybe aren't actually the greatest and relational habits that aren't the greatest. And a lot of times our tendency is just to bring those habits into our new relationships. But we don't want that big you on the end of this series titled to just be our past. Uh, We have a lot of relational hurts from our past. We've had things that have gone wrong in relationships. We've been hurt or damaged or broken up with, or we've had friends leave us or, or different experiences. Um, And so we can have all of this hurt in our past and we don't want that hurt from our past to be informing how we do relationships. Now we want to let go of all of those past things and we want to allow God to inform our lives now so that we can have good, healthy relationships. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, that, you know, we have amazing technological advances in the world today. You know, I saw um, some pictures the other day of the probe that passed by Pluto. That was a planet, and then it wasn't a planet, and it's a planet again. Um, but it's amazing that we can have the technology to to send you know, uh, machinery and mechanisms and spaceships to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. But we still struggle with relationships. We, we, for how long humanity has been existed in the earth and with all of our advancements and all of the technologies that we have, it's just we really struggle just to be really good friends. Uh, and we really struggle to stay married and we really struggle to stay married happily And then we struggle with our bosses. Then we struggle with our parents and with our children. Um, We should want those same advances, that same knowledge uh, to have good, healthy relationships. Because life is all about relationships. That we are never going through life alone. That we are always relating to people. So we want to have that big U at the end of this title. Be God informing how we do relationships. Here's a quote about uh, friendship. It says, some people make enemies instead of friends, because it is less trouble. <laughs> and for us to have good friends, uh, we have to be intentional. Uh, for us to have good marriages, for us to have good relationships across the board, we have to be intentional about how to have uh, these good relationships. And ultimately, at the core of any relationship, or the eventual purpose of any relationship, is friendship. That uh, you know, people who, st- who are going to get married, ultimately they need to be friends first, really good friends. And I see a lot of people talk about this today, you know, I'm getting to marry my best friend, which is awesome. And then, you know, obviously as uh, parent-child relationships, you know, you're raising your children, that's a different role. Um, you aren't necessarily your child's friend for a while. You should parent them. They shouldn't think of you um, just as a best friend because you've got to train them and you've got to correct them and you, uh, eventually you'll be really good friends. Um, but that is the goal of any relationship is to have good friends. So there's a great description of relationships or friendships here in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's turn over there and read this this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So we see here uh, just, uh, relationships described. Now, a lot of times we'll take this, these scriptures and just apply it to marriage. It does apply to marriage, but it really applies to all uh, relationships. Verse 10 says, if one falls down, the other can help you up. And in its simplest form, this is what good friendship looks like. If somebody is struggling or somebody is having a difficult time, that a friend is there, uh, to be able to help that other person so that we're not just going through life alone. Um, verse 11 it says if two lie together one will keep them warm but how can one keep warm alone now this obviously would speak to the physicality of the marriage relationship but also uh relationships we can have warm emotions not just in the context of marriage but within friendship that there is a warmth that comes from friendship when we see somebody that we love and somebody that we care about wherever it is whether it's at work or church or the mall or school there's a warmth that comes over us when we see somebody we know, when we see somebody who's maybe going through life, and, to, you know, and we know them, and we have some history with them, and we've spent some time with them. We, we have this warmth as it relates to relationship. Verse 12, the one maybe overpowered too can defend themselves. That sometimes things overpower us, but it's better to have somebody to go through life with than just being alone, That just being by myself, just depending on me and me alone, that God actually wants us to have good, healthy relationships. And then it says this, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And that third strand in all of our relationships should be God. It should be the big you, God. Whatever friendships or marriage or work relationships that we should want to involve god in those relationships because when we involve god in any of our relationships once again a threefold cord is not easily broken it's not just me and you it's not just me by myself it's not me just figuring out life and you just figuring out life it's actually involving god in our relationships so that we can have strength to our lives and that's what relationships bring to us they bring strength in all its various ways proverbs chapter 17 verse 17 says this a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity one way to say this is for all times that all the different times of life it's good to have friends when you're going through something when you're struggling with something you know i have uh some friends who are pastors and you know occasionally if you know going through something or we're thinking through something or we're making decisions i can text one of my friends and they've gone through something similar and they're there and then vice versa sometimes some pastor friends that i have will reach out to us and say hey do you guys use this could you help me with this could you send us what you have And when you have friends like that for different reasons and for different purposes, there's a mutuality, a wonderful mutuality that goes on in friendships, that there's a give and take. Uh, There's, you know, you're there for them and they're there for you when necessary, that a Brent, a Brent, a Brent brent is there. Uh, (laughs) A friend is there for all times and for all different times. For all different times of life, we are going to need our friends. We're going to need our family, and our, fr- our family are our friends. And we're going to need our spouse, and our spouse is our friend. You know, we, we do need people. And God uh, tells us and gives us advice about how to have good relationships. But like I said, we really struggle um, in the area of relationships. And the reality is that we don't have any perfect friends, We don't have any perfect spouses. And we ourselves have never been perfect friends or perfect spouses or perfect parents or perfect children. That We really struggle. Humanity struggles with relationships. I mean, we just know that this is true. You know, the, the, the magazine covers, obviously, magazine covers are always filled with who's dating who or who's sleeping with who or who's getting married to who. And then the other part of the front of those magazines is who's getting divorced from who. And then who's leaving who and who's getting separated. And so we have these uh, relationship examples set up for us a lot of times in culture. Um, And a lot of times they're just a litany of broken relationships. So why are relationships so hard? And why is it hard a lot of times for us to maintain good friendships or to maintain a good healthy marriage? I think there is a lot of insight um, in the scripture. So what happens to us is the same thing. That has happened in scripture. So let's turn over to Genesis chapter 3. And we'll go back and we'll look at this narrative. At what creation has looked like from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1. And this is the original temptation. It says now, verse 1 of Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But did God say you must not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die? Verse four, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So we see here the original relationship that God had created... Men and women in his image, in his likeness, and this natural idea to be in relationship has come from God. It didn't just come from us. And that God communed with man, that he spent time with Adam and Eve in the garden. And here's the initial temptation, and here's what it looked like, and here's the initial discussion, the original marriage fight, and verse 11. So God is coming down and he's talking to Adam and Eve. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, what is it? What is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now this, obviously, once again, we apply this a lot of times to marriage and this is a marriage situation. But here is the problem with all relationships. When relationships go wrong, this is what it sounds like. Now, we may or may not verbalize it, but this is what goes on in our hearts. And what is it that goes on in our hearts? So here, God is asking, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you? Verse 12, the man said, the woman you put me here with. So what's happening right here in this moment? Even though Adam has sinned, even though Adam has done wrong, what is Adam doing? The woman you put me here with is not my fault, God. It's her fault and it's your fault. Actually, it's your fault, God, that you gave me this woman. She's, it's her fault and it's your fault. When relationships go wrong, this is our immediate tendency and it has never changed. It is, and it is not going to change. What is our immediate reaction? What is wrong with them? What's wrong with this person? What's wrong with my spouse? What's wrong with my child? What's wrong with my friends? What's wrong with my boss? God, why did you give me these people? I need new people, God. I need new friends, God. Because all of these friends that you gave me, just, they're defective, God. There's something wrong with all of them. Now, I'm amazing, but God, there's something wrong with everybody else and how they see the world, how they see the world is just something wrong with it. If everybody just were to think like me, everything would be fine. Has anyone ever thought this? Because we would all get along because we would all just think the same. But our initial reaction when things go wrong in relationships is this guaranteed all the time. What is wrong with you? And so we fight and we argue and we try to get that person to think exactly like us. And so, and then we just blame shift. This is our tendency when relationships go wrong is just to think there is something wrong with somebody else. And the Lord God then said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So she's not blaming Adam and she's not blaming God. She's just blaming the temptation so I'm not actually responsible. Adam's like, I'm not responsible, God. It's her fault and it's your fault. And Eve is like, it's not my fault. It's just the temptation. It's everything except me is the problem. Everything except me is the problem. But what is the problem? The problem is me. For everybody, what's the problem? The, pro- the problem is the person in your chair this morning. The problem with your relationships is the person sitting in your chair. It isn't the other people. No, no, it's the other people, Pastor Brent. You don't even know. You don't know them. I've met enough people so far to know that we are all actually the problem. And here, this is the tendency, though, is to think that somebody else needs to change. Somebody else needs to adjust, and this is the way, and this is what we think, and this is our struggle, and this is the struggle of broken relationships, that it's God, it's you, and God, it's them, and it's it's the temptation, but it's certainly not me. Anyone want to risk an amen on that this morning? No, nobody likes that point. All right, we'll go to the next point. It's very similar, though. Hold on. James chapter 4, James chapter 4. Has anyone ever got into a fight, quarrel, discussion with a friend or a spouse or a child? Why is it that we have these? Does anyone have any memorable ones? When I say that, you kind of think about, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Like, it went on for two hours and I had a nap and then we fought again. Why is it that we have fights and quarrels and what is the thing that is going on? Let's read here in James chapter four, verse one. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? What you, what you want, what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but You can't get it, so you fight and wage war to get it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives, what will give you pleasure. So what is wrong with us? What is wrong with us as it relates to fights and quarrels and angry discussions? It ultimately comes down to selfishness. I want what I want the way I want it. And I actually want you to think exactly like me. You must think exactly like me. And I'm just going to fight. And I'm going to quarrel. And I'm going to yell. And I'm going to scream. And I'm going to convince. And I'm going to cajole. And I'm going to talk. And I'm just going to keep talking until you say... Okay, you're right Now you can win an argument And lose out on your relationship Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You can beat somebody down With your words And just talk and convince And talk and talk and talk But then you end up losing With the relationship Now listen to the message paraphrase Of this I love this. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think that they just happened? Think again. They come about because you want your own way. And fight for it deep inside yourself. You lust for what you don't have and you're willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and you will risk violence to get it, to get your hands on it. I love that phrase. You want your own way. Does anyone want to admit to that today? I mean it is part of what makes us human in a sense. The problem with our humanity is we actually want it our own way. We think that our way is the best way. And if people were just to see things my way, they would understand that this is true. Come on now. You made it through the snow today to hear this blessed message. That what is the problem with you and what is the problem with me? We just want things the way we want it. We just want what we want. What's so wrong with that? It's talking about, though, is it's talking about just deep-seated, just selfish desires. And this is the problem with our relationships. This is why our relationships go sideways. Friendship, parenting relationships, marriage relationships. This is why we fight. This is why we go on and on and on arguing because of this, just this simple phrase, you want your own way. But I think there is actually a better way, and I think God informs us in his word some ways to do better relationships. So how can we have successful relationships? How can we achieve success in our relationships? All relationships, now listen, all relationships and friendships must be viewed through the lens of what I can bring to a relationship, not just what I can get. What can I bring? What can I contribute? What can I give to this relationship? The principal expression of love is giving. For God so loved the world, he gave. God's relationship with humanity starts with this idea of love. And so how are we going to have successful relationships? We should take a hint from the Creator. We should take a hint from the One who has created relationships. He is a relational God. So I have to look at all relationships... Through this lens of what can I give, not just what I can get. Because the what I can get problem is I just want what I want the way I want it when I want it. And we know that causes fights and quarrels, doesn't it? We have to look at all relationships through this lens of what I can give or what what can I bring. Because if we don't, we are going to be disappointed. We're going to be offended all of the time. If we go into every relationship thinking what can I get? Because here's the problem with people. They always fall up they always fall short. What's the problem with me? We always fall short. We're never enough for other people. And so if we go into relationships thinking what can I get from this person, what's going to be the problem? They're not going to be enough. They are human. And if I'm just thinking I got to get something from this person, I'm just going to be constantly constantly disappointed if i'm measuring all relationships about what people can do for me what can people give to me and if they don't give it to me the way i want them to give it to me there will be hell to pay and anger and the silent treatment i mean we have new ways to give silent treatment now it used to be you know if we were going to give our spouse the silent treatment it was just physically Now we can ignore their texts. Not only am I not going to talk to you face to face, you're going to text me and I'm not going to care. And you know they read your text. They're always on their phone. When you're with them, they're looking at your phone and then you text them like, I know they saw this. I know they saw it. It actually says delivered. I know they read it now they're giving me the silent treatment on text. See, but all of us need to think about the relationships. This healthy way to think about relationship is what can I bring to this relationship, not just what I can get. And the other thing that I would say for us to realize, for us to have healthy relationships, and this is just some good advice that I want to give you today, we're going to see it here in the scripture you just have to know that people are messy and i just don't mean your children make a mess in a restaurant when you leave you know when you if you ever have you know when you have toddlers you know that they make a mess in the restaurant and you just you kind of feel bad but after a while you're like there's nothing i can do about it you i don't have access to a mop in your restaurant and you leave and it looks like carnage under your table after you have children not that type of mess but people are just messy they make mistakes. They do stupid things. They say stupid things. They struggle with stuff. They get sick. They have accidents. They do wrong things. They make wrong choices. People are messy. This needs to be our life expectation. With all of the people that God has connected us with, they're all going to be messy. It isn't going to be smooth and clean and easy. If we're going to have any close relationships, it's going to get hard sometimes. They're going to make wrong choices. They're going to say main, mean things. It's going to hurt sometimes. To be in relationships, close relationships with people, you just have to expect it. You can't expect antiseptic friendships. That is just all easy and it always smells good. And it's always good. We have to be committed. To bringing things To bringing love And to bringing good words And to be uh, contributing to All of the relationships That we are in Because if we don't If we live the opposite way We are always going to be disappointed Always going to be disappointed in people See all of us need friends The worst way to try to get friends Is to tell people you need friends It's the very worst way I just, I, just, I, just need, I, just, I just need you to be my friend. That's the worst way to try to get friends. The best way to get friends is to be a friendly person. Is to give friendship. So the people who are always needing friends, they never have any friends. Why? Because that's not the way you get friendship. The way you get friendship is to give. What can I contribute? to these relationships not what can i get because the needy person is saying you gotta you gotta you gotta give you gotta give you gotta give now all of us are going to have needs and all of us are going to have things in our life that we're going to need from our friends but those needs are going to be met in the context of us giving friendship not just us asking for stuff all of the time once again that goes back to selfishness that goes back to me first that goes back to just me 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 Acting like a toddler. We're, we're an adult. The Apostle John here in 1 John 1. Writing to a bunch of churches in Asia Minor. He gives this great advice. In the context of talking about Jesus. He gives us this great advice. How to have healthy relationships. First John chapter 1. This is the message, paraphrase, verse 1, it says, From the very first day, we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes, talking about Jesus. Verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you. And most sober prose." That, that what we witness, incredibly this, the infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and Son, his Son Jesus Christ, our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. Here in these verses, is the key to having enjoyable relationships. What is it? What is John saying? We saw Jesus. We experienced Jesus. And we want you to know. We want to tell you. The good things that I have in my life, John is saying, specifically talking about Jesus, specifically knowing Jesus. He says, we want to tell somebody else. We want to give it to somebody else. And this is what Healthy friendships will spring from. This is where healthy friendships will spring from. I want to give something to you. The good things that I know, man, I want you to know. The good things that I have, I want to give it to you. Our joy will double if you know this too. And this is how you have good relationships. The things that you have, the big and the small, the things that you know, that you can help somebody with, that you can contribute to, man, you can give that in relationships. I know this, and we want you to know it too. And this, across the board, creates a healthy environment for friendships. Not just, hey, hey I'm writing to you guys, and I need you to give me something. Now I want to give something. Do we want to give something? Do we know Jesus? We saw Jesus, and we actually want you to know about it too. And our joy is going to double when you know this too. Isn't this true of our kids? When your kids actually listen to you and they do the thing you say or they avoid trouble because of what you told them, that doubles our joy. Why? Because we had joy when we learned it and then we were able to give it to somebody else. We were able to contribute to a relationship. But we will be forever sad and forever disappointed if we constantly measure what other people give to us or don't give to us. They should have given me this. They should have done this for me. Oh, it's a horrible way to live. It's a disastrous way to live. They should have done this and they should have done this. constantly measuring what people are giving to you. And that's not the heart of what John is saying here. This thing that I have, I want to give it to you. And this goes across the board for all of the things that we have. Things that we have, and then love that we have, and then good words that we have, and encouragement that we have, and then experiences that we have. And we can share all of the things that God has given to us in our lives. James chapter 5. So the thing I second ago that thing I said a second ago, we're gonna how we're gonna have successful relationships, we're gonna have it because we're gonna contribute to relationships. And then the other part is we just need to expect life and the people in our life just to be messy. And we see this description here. James is writing to the church, and he says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So what is Paul, I mean, sorry, what is James saying to this church? Um, He's like, is anyone there? They're in trouble. Let them pray. Is anyone there sick? Is anybody sinned? We're going to confess our sins to each other and then we're going to pray for each other. This is a good description of humanity. Humanity. And it's a really good description of our humanity. Sometimes we're in trouble. Sometimes we're sick. We're facing sickness or disease in our bodies or some emotional brokenness. Sometimes we sin. We miss the mark. We mess up. James is saying a little bit, this needs to be part of our expectation. Being in relationship with people. There's going to be trouble. Sometimes, sometimes they're going to be sick. Sometimes they're going to mess up. And then what are we going to do? We're just going to be really angry with each other. For being human. And being in trouble and being in sick and messing up and missing the mark. Or what are we going to do? We're going to pray for each other. So that we can be healed. That we're actually going to contribute something to this other person whose life is a little bit messy right now why because my life gets messy and so i don't have to be judge and jury for everybody else i can realize my own humanity and realize that me judging the measure of trouble that they're in that it's their own fault and they shouldn't have done it and blah 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 and then they made themselves sick because of x y's reasons and then their sin because they just got too close to the fire and we're just going to think about all these things and we're just going to be angry at them. No, James is saying that we would just pray for each other because our expectation is that people are messy. And to be in relationships, close relationships with people, it's a little bit messy. Like I said earlier, you know, none of us have actually ever been the perfect friend we don't have perfect friends but this relational idea that we can be constantly giving to the people in our lives why can we do that proverbs chapter 18 verse 24 says this a person who has friends may be harmed by them but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother see ultimately this relational ideal that we have comes from us having a relationship with god because we actually have a perfect friend in god through jesus and we have security in our relationship with god through jesus that god is actually never going to fail us he is never actually going to come up short He is never not going to be there when I need him. Like some of the people that I know and some of the people that I'm in close relationship with. See, we're going to be disappointed sometimes in our relationship with people. But we are never going to be disappointed in our relationship with God. Our ultimate friend is Jesus. The scripture says in John 15... Jesus here talking to his disciples, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So we can love each other because we're loved with a perfect love. We're not going to get perfect love from people. They're going to come up short and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to be a little bit messy. But we can give this love because we have been perfectly loved and that we are forever accepted in Christ. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says, you are my friends. You do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. I have this eternal love from Jesus that I'm actually not gonna try to expect from people. Because I know people are messy, and people come up short. And see, a lot of times we put pressure on people to be our ultimate friend, and they can't live up to it. Your friends can't live up to it. Your spouse can't live up to it. Your parents can't live up to it. Your children, they can't live up to it. The standard is too high. But the perfect love that we experience in our life Man, it comes from God. And because we are perfectly loved, and God gives us His love, I can just constantly be bringing love to relationships because I know the supply is never going to run out. And I don't have to try to get it from my wife. And I don't have to try to get it from my kids. And I don't have to try to get affirmation from my parents. I can get it from God. Who loves me unconditionally without condition god loves us people different it's a different story sometimes with people but god he's going to love me every day his mercies are new every morning and because my life is charged with the love of god then i can just go into a messy world with a bunch of messy people and have a bunch of messy relationships and just be okay with it and not constantly angry and not just constantly trying to get my own way. That I can just give love because I have been given love. This is the ultimate friendship that we have. This is the ultimate you at the end of this relationship series title. The big you is God's love for us that He Puts and gives to us. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. That Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.